and welcome to the Athletes Without Borders podcast. I am your host, Garrett Osuma, and I'm here with my co-host, Kanye Gardner. How are you doing, Kanye? Hey, man, I'm doing great. How you doing, man? Where are you right now? So I'm in between D.C. and Baltimore, and man, it's cold, it's all get out, it's raining, it doesn't know what it wants to do. It's raining some part of the day, then it's snowing the other part, and then they put ice down. So, so what is Mother it? Mother Nature's got us all messed up. So you take an I-95, is that? What's the highway there? You East Coast man. You've been East Coast for a long time. What's the what's the freeway? I, I think so. It's, it's definitely ninety five, but I'm about to get on to the Turnpike. Um, yeah, in a little bit. So but, you know, wait a minute. So the Turnpike, yeah. So we're like, what what state are you in, dude? So officially, right now, I'm in Maryland. Oh, okay. I'm in like the the ending parts of Maryland. Oh but man, I'm so you just got started on your track. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I just got started. Just got started. Oh, man. And, man, I'm telling you, the weather is just killing me right now. But, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, what I'm really excited about, though, even though I'm in all this crazy weather, I'm excited about today's guest. Uh, I'm excited about the topic that we're going to discuss today, which is something near and dear to everyone here at Athletes Without Borders. Um, and that topic is dealing with what is the sports industry and how does steam correlate? That's, that's really big for us because, as you know, that's the basis, that's the crux of the AWB mission, our mantra, getting more children understanding about steam through sports and the sports industry. So I'm excited for our, our guest today, uh, Mr. Dr. Daniel Kelly. Oh my goodness! Are you guys? I think we're going to be in for a treat today. So what's so? Let's let's talk about Dr. Kelly. Why why is it important to bring him onto the show? So I'm I'm eager to talk to, to Dr. Kelly today because Dr. Kelly has an extensive background uh, in academia. Uh, he he graduated with a PhD out of a school that I don't really like to claim. What's the uh, school? Being from Michigan. Wait a minute, wait a minute, man. What's the school, man? Say it loud. The school is the Ohio State University. Hey, man. <laughs> hey, hey. Respect champions, my friend. You know, you. I, I saw like last night. I think we talked. You had that block M, but you went to a maroon block M, right? I, I did. I did too. So it's not a blue you block. Know, M. It's not. A, it's not a maze <laughs> block M. It's a maroon block M. That's right. The best and the brightest. You know, Morehouse College. Uh, you know what I'm saying? We yeah, give yeah. our life to you. know, I don't. Yeah. Hey, neither the block, <laughs> the gold block M didn't give neither one of us money. So, therefore, I have no loyalty to the block M. This and is then, true. And then, this and is then, true. And then, let's just talk about when the last time they won. It was our freshman year in college. It was the last time they won any national championship. Right? This. It was what's even crazier is that uh, that was the last time. Right. That so was all when you Walmart, Michigan fans <laughs> sit here and say that Michigan and claim on the bullshit buckler and the championship tradition and the most wins 
I count championships, yeah. my friend. You uh, gotta respect well, the champions, man. They, you know, they got the best in, band. In, in Michigan's defense, we have uh, a representation headed to the Super Bowl in another two weeks, and I think he's about to become the goat, if not already well, the he's goat. He's already the uh, goat, man. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Tom Brady. You know, uh, so, let's, so let's just get back into Dr. Kelly. Let's just talk about Dr. Kelly, man. What's so <laughs> so Dr. Kelly is so awesome when it comes to his academics and his, his performance, uh, where, where he's gone to school uh, and what he's done from a career and curriculum standpoint. Uh, he's dealt with a uh, sport industry, working with companies like Monumental, um, He's gone overseas and dealt with uh, Barcelona. He's brought students over, getting them uh, trained in understanding how to work with the World Cup for 2022. Uh, when I tell you the brother is, he's on top of his game. He's on top of his game. And he's a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. You know what I mean? It's, he's just hitting on all cylinders. And when... When people talk about sports, a lot of times you have barbershop guys and everything else like that that talk about things, and they're just they're, they're pulling up stuff out of left field. He's actually done the work that young people coming up into the industry or looking to get in a foot into the industry really need to listen and take notes and say, hey, after, after this, I need to find Dr. Kelly so I can – get his email and shoot him some messages and I need to connect with him on Twitter. I mean, he's got Snapchat. He's on Instagram. I mean, the brother is deep. When it comes to getting things done, Dr. Kelly is that guy. He is definitely that guy. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. So without further ado, we're going to bring uh, to the podcast. I'm so excited. My dear friend, uh, he and I connected while at Georgetown. Um, that's another plug. Um, but Dr. Daniel Kelly, the Academic Director of Graduate Programs for NYU School of Professional Studies uh, for Preston Robertish Institute for Global Sports, welcome to the Athletes Without Borders podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Kanye. So our guest today is the illustrious Dr. Daniel Kelly. Uh, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to participate with us here with Athletes Our Borders. Uh, so we're going to jump right into it. Dr. Kelly, uh, tell us, uh, can you just share with us, uh, with our audience, who you are, uh, give us your background, educational background, professional as well, and how you knew that the sports industry was the career for you. Okay, thank you, Garrett. Thank you, Kanye. You know, feel really privileged to be a part of this this podcast and an opportunity to really share my background. Um, I was fortunate. I was born in the Bronx, New York. You know, I had an opportunity to really have a sports-centric background. Uh, playing basketball in New York in the, the 80s and the 90s, you kind of get a feel for 
you know, the greats, you know, it comes to Patrick Ewing, to the Knicks in the 90s, to, you know, Michael Jordan's takeover when he came to the Garden. But I think overall what you see is that, you know, basketball in New York has its own, you know, atmosphere, has its own flavor, it has its own, you know, kind of interpretation of, of life. And so, you know, growing up around sport and really seeing it as, you know, an outlet and an expression for me as a person. And, you know, more importantly, you know, when my career ended, you know, I kind of had to look for, you know, an opportunity to, to proceed further. And I, and I saw sport as a, as a, as a viable, you know, option for me when I went to, to college. And so I went to college at, at Miami, Ohio, at a full ride academic scholarship. And, you know, as I mentioned, when my, my playing days were over, you know, I had some, some great mentors who, you know, gave great advice on, you know, on pursuing a, a PhD. And I pursued a PhD in sport management from Ohio State University. And you, know, you say Bucks. that one more time for my friend. <laughs> a PhD. Oh, uh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so and, we know, before, so a, right before we we started talking with you, we, we had a, a nice little discussion about the importance of people who went to Michigan, who people who didn't, people who went to Ohio State, and different, and you know. Let's just, let's just stop there. Why, why was it important to pick Ohio State? Uh, you know, the good thing about it, I, I'll say for me, is that, um, you know, at the time, Ohio State had the top program in the nation when it came to my field, which is sport management. Um, and sports, true, right? And sports as well. You yeah, know, I so. think the opportunity to be a part of a, a fantastic athletic department, you know, great opportunities for internships and, you know, good mentorships. Uh, when I was there at Ohio State, we had a, we, have, we still do, we have a fantastic um, athletic director. His name is Eugene Smith, and he's, um, he's fantastic. He's a great, you know, role model. And, you know, he's one of the few African-Americans who have achieved at the top position in athletics in college. And so, you know, just having the type of resources that were available. Um, I feel like when I was at Ohio State, that was the golden age of, you know, of black graduate students. You know, I would say there were maybe about 400 uh, doctoral students wow. across different majors. I mean, this is a big deal. You know, it was almost like a black Mecca where there was a support mechanism there, support groups. And, you know, there was funding. There was opportunities to go international for travel. I mean, I just think at that time, it was the perfect place for me and the perfect place to start my career. And, you know, even though Ohio State has 55,000 students, when it comes to doctoral students, the cohorts are really small. So I went through my classes with a core of eight students and, it was an amazing experience that I wouldn't change for the pray for the world. And, you know, all of this doesn't happen if I don't have good mentors who put me in the right direction when I was looking for focus and looking for, you know, the next steps in my career. I think when you transition from being an athlete to being a professional, you, you kind of have a bit of an identity crisis and you're trying to figure out exactly, well, what's going to make me happy? Where are my passions? And I think the opportunity to, have mentors who were able to, to focus that energy so that it could be focused on my schooling towards, you know, bettering myself to prepare for a career as an academic. And, you know, it opened up some fantastic doors for me, you know, as Garrett knows, I, I met him because I was running the program down in Georgetown and I ran that program for three years as the faculty director. And, um, he did, he did. Sports, sports and Management management program at Georgetown is a fantastic place. And it was a, you know, it gave me the opportunity to work on some fantastic projects that we'll get to later on over in India and Qatar and, you know, in, in Barcelona. And so we'll talk about that later. But, 
you know, it, it led me to my current position where I am now. I'm the academic director of graduate programs at the, the Preston Roberts Tisch Institute for Global Sport at NYU. And, and um, you know, being a native New Yorker, he's kind of seeing, you know, a 20-year journey around the world to to finally coming back face-to-face with, with my city and where I'm from and, you know, having a chance to be at a, at a global university that really leads into what I do for a living. That, I, I would, I think that that is, part of like an awesome story, like from an intro standpoint to think about how, like when you talk about like, when you say like LeBron starting in Ohio, coming back, even though he's in LA right now, but when he went back to, to Cleveland, that was like an awesome, like, like intro story, like to know that you started everything in NY and then you bring it full circle. You traveled around, you've done all of these great and monumentous things. And now you're able to do this and bring students up from the from New York and and have them learn the sport industry the same way you did uh, I, I think that that's amazing that's awesome um, and that's again part of the reason why we wanted to, to, to chat with you uh, here at athletes without borders because we strive to introduce uh, young students specifically black and brown students um, that are in that 8 to 18 uh, year old demographic to the sports industry and we use STEAM as that catalyst. Um, as you kind of just, you were on the, the cusp of talking about it, how important is it, do you feel, that diversity is dealt with, seen, and at the forefront for the sport industry? And how are you and uh, NYU meeting that challenge? Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I mean, the, the first, um, you know, it was fortunate because I, I went to a specialized high school in New York. I went to Frederick Douglass Academy, which is, you know, a, a fantastic experiment when you have, you know, black teachers, black principals, and, and an entire system that is based around empowering black and brown students. And so, you know, having that kind of stable foundation of, of a blackness was almost like I went to an HBCU for high school. And so, you know, having Sound like cast, to- Gary. Sound like our school. It does. Right? It, it does. does. It right, does. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, so having that kind of foundation where, you know, we even had like, you know, corporate businesses that were partners. And so I had a chance wow. to work with HBO Sports as an internship. And, you know, they funded like the like our teams, our athletic teams. And, you know, some of we had partnerships with The Gap and students got to travel to, to California, to San Francisco, to the headquarters. You know, just those types of opportunities. You know, we were going international. We went to France. We went to to Israel, we went to, you know, South Africa, you know, these were trips in high school that we got to experience. Yeah, that's amazing. And, you know, just having that kind of, you know, opportunity in high school that kind of sets the expectation. And so I get to college and, you know, there's nobody that looks like me as the professors. And it's like, right. wait a minute, what's happening here? And so you start to, you realize that you, you start seeking it out. And so I was fortunate during my time at Miami, Ohio, the, uh, the provost, you know, he was an alpha, but he was also a black male. And he was, his name was, was, um, was Cox, you know, Dr. Cox. And he was, he was 100%, you know, built on bettering black men. You know, he, he was the one that provided me insights on how to navigate life at Miami. And so, you know, just, just being able to see somebody who looks like me and is reaching back down to pull me up. And, you know, he was the one that put the, the bug in my ear about a career in academia. And mind you, I, I was a freshman. I was wow. a freshman, and he knew where I came from, the Bronx. He knew the high school I went to, and he knew that I had potential. And he mm-hmm. nurtured it. And I think, you know, that's the part that's missing at times 
because what if I didn't reach out? What if I, you know, ignored all the all the support that was available because right. I was I was shy or because I was. But alone. it happens. We deal with it all over. I mean, a lot of students they just don't know or never think to reach out, and there's so many support systems that are out there for students. Yeah, so I, I think, you know, I have a responsibility at this time to reach back out as well. You know, that kind of each one reach one, you know, pay it forward. Right. You know, those are some of the exactly. values that, you know, we have been embodied with, you know, growing up in those kind of systems. And, you know, I went to Ohio State afterward and, you know, fully funded graduate student. And the first thing I did was reach out to the black males on campus, you know, just to right. provide, a you know, an, an outlet to look for, the resources to make sure I was informed and, you know, it, it paid dividends because, you know, but it also was easier because looking around, there were people who looked just like me, you know, while they weren't in my programs, they were in programs throughout the university. And, you know, let's say there's close to like maybe five or 6,000, you know, graduate students at Ohio state. I mean, well, doctoral students, I mean, we're talking about a decent amount, 400 to 500 of them are African-American. And so, you know, that's like a, a small HBCU out of, out of predominantly white institution. You know, we got enough people to be able to lean on each other. You right. know, we had family dinners. We had a support system. We played, you know, basketball together. We had game nights and card nights. We, we built a community where we could rely on each other. And I think, you know, as I've gone through my career, whether it was living in, in D.C., living in Atlanta, living in, in Philadelphia, or back in New York, the first thing I did was look for that support system. Yeah, I think what you just said is huge because the the crux of all of that it the it seems to me and Kanye let me know if I'm if I'm mistaken here it seems like the 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 most important part of that is improving opportunities for yourself and then for others comes from building and having a community right having uh, that support system there that helps foster that growth so you feel comfortable to want to continue to reach out and excel in a predominantly white dominated uh, space um, to because it's different for me when I think about it because coming from HBCU I, I did the Morehouse track and I did after that I did Northeast and then Georgetown and I was like wow this is a different world because I, I left from every day everyone was of color to I was the one of, in my class of like 400, I was like one of five. Yeah, that's, um, that's, that's the whole being a part of the only, I mean, you know, growing up in inner cities, going to a black college, and then, you know, you transition into, you know, a non-HBCU or people It can consider. be tough. It yeah. can be challenging. And so to, to, to have you really understand at an earlier clip to be able to say, Hey, I have to connect with individuals that look and think like me. And that's been the catalyst to help push you forward. I won't say the catalyst, but that's been a major component of what helped push you forward. That I think is huge within itself. <clears throat> I, so, I, I, so, I would so, definitely say it's a major component. I mean, I, I don't want to undersell it. I mean, <laughs> I don't think you can, I don't think places like, you know, universities and colleges and grad school, you're just not meant to survive those places on your own. Right. You have to have the resources. Yeah, that, and I think if you try to do it on your own, you're going to bring yourself out. So you absolutely. So, Dr. Kelly, how did you get involved with the 2002 World Cup in Qatar? 
Oh, yeah, that was um, a fantastic opportunity. So uh, Qatar 2022 is, is, um, is like the next iteration of the World Cup. It was, uh, you know, Georgetown actually has a campus in Doha, Qatar. And wow. so, you know, I, I visited that campus 11 times in, in, in two years. You know, we um, actually 11 times in three years. So um, fantastic opportunity. Um, Qatar, Doha, great guest. Um, they are going to welcome the world to, to Doha in November of 2022, and they're going to put on a fantastic games. Um, I was the I was part of the Josor um, Institute. Josor means bridges in Arabic, and you know the opportunity to have a black man, especially a black man from the Bronx, to go halfway across the world to Qatar and you know not only be a part of an institute but actually lead the institute when it came to their football and sport management diploma program you know it's kind of a feat in itself you know i'm i'm a, I'm a curriculum expert and you know my background is global finance and strategy and so what i did is i brought over different groups of faculty and and um experts in the field to to teach the local cuttery um professionals and executives how to run a major mega event and so we're talking about lessons in, in budgeting and finance, lessons in leadership, you know, lessons in uh, marketing and, and digital media, you know, opportunities to go out and build up legacy projects for, for, um, for, for social justice, you know, just being able to figure out different ways to, to, to maximize their expertise so they can go and put, put on a, a fantastic games. And, um, you know, currently I'm still affiliated with the Joestar Institute, even though I've moved on to New York University. And I'm like in a, an affiliate, you know, faculty member where I serve as a North American expert. And so anytime they have, you know, questions or need case studies or need lectures on what's happening in U.S. sports, they reach out to me. So you're the plug. You're the person that we need to talk to when we say, hey, uh, we need to go to the World Cup in 2022 that we need to say, hey, we want to, we, we need to assist Dr. Kelly. Is that what you're telling me? We, we um, need to be your assist. We need to be your assistant in order to, to get to the building. Yeah. And again, yeah, especially with COVID-19. Yeah. You definitely need yeah. a plug to get in there. Correct. <laughs> and you got, you got to do <laughs> it now Kelly too, because yeah, it's not going to be around later on. So you got to do it now. Gotcha. Gotcha. Dr. Kelly is, is the one Kanye. That's who we need to talk to after this. So when we, <laughs> we talk about going to Doha. Uh, this is this is the person we need to, to yeah. reach out to. Just not going in June, not going there in June. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, June, so the World June, Cup they got moved yes, to December next year, right? Yeah, they moved it to November. So November it's run for a full month. You're right. You're right though. This this November to December of 2022. Yeah, because that was the biggest um, thing about the World Cup being in June, because traditionally it starts in June, which is the average temp is about 119. <laughs> so yeah, that'd be kind of hot. <laughs> yeah, not yeah, no, yeah. I, I knew some friends that went over there, and they were they were saying they told me, "Hey, we're gonna go in July." I'm like, "How fun!" Yeah, it's too hot. It's too, hot. <laughs> <laughs> too hot. Too hot. Um, so when we talk about the sport industry, uh, Dr. Kelly, can you give us like how how vast, how like enormous is the sports industry when we tie in the steam world what what does that look like to you when we say sports and steam yeah i, I thought i think your your approach to, to steam i think is, is fantastic i think um you know um 
the, the science, the technology, engineering, arts and math, I think, you know, that is kind of a microcosm of what we have available in the sports industry. We're talking about an 11, million, $11 billion industry, you know, just, just in the US. And so you're talking about close to like $25 billion when we're talking about worldwide. And so, you know, and that, that, that's on a like yearly basis, you know, even with the, the COVID-19 restrictions, you know, sport has been, you know, a, a, a push when it comes to the, to the economies, you know, there's things that pull from the economies and pull the economy down. There's the things that push the economy up, you know, the, the reintroduction of sport back into the global economy, whether it was the Bundesliga in, in, in Germany or, you know, the, the ultimate fighting championships, the UFC having those events in, in Fight Island and Abu Dhabi, you know, the, the basic move was sport was pushing the needle, you know, um, you know, just to give you a bit of context, the, the NBA, which I think is a fantastic organization. I love the NBA. You know, I love everything about it, the way it's run, how innovative it is. You know, they spent $150 million on that NBA bubble in, in Orlando. You know, all of the testing, the hotels, the food, the, the salaries. I mean, that was a $150 million. You know, they're talking about that kind of investment. And, you know, the NBA was really doing it because they wanted to provide the games. You know, they knew that the business of basketball needed to happen. It needed to boost the economy. But I mean, let's not get it twisted. They spent $150 more than they really wanted to, you know, right. because they didn't have fans at the games to offset some of those costs. So it's a very, very expensive endeavor. You know, the NBA did it and so did the NHL. The NHL had two bubbles in Canada. They had the mm -hmm. one bubble in Toronto. They had a second bubble over in um, Vancouver. You know, these types of investments are exponentially expensive, you know. And then, of course, NCAA March Madness, of course, is planning to have their next bubble at, in Indianapolis uh, this, this, um, this, this March, and so a couple of months. And so, you know, but I, I want to dive into some of the categories you mentioned with STEAM. And so let's start with the S, you know. When it comes to like the science aspect, you know, with sport, you do have a lot of opportunities for careers in biomechanics and kinesiology, you know, uh, the, the sports science side, the way the body works, you know, so there's always opportunities for athletic trainers, for, you know, sport physiologists, et cetera. Right. Um, when it comes to technology, I love the, the opportunities now, you know, even, especially now with COVID, with, with the restrictions, as we wait for the vaccines to get distributed, you know, a lot of people are still wanting to interact with the games and you still have those opportunities via virtual reality and augmented reality, you know, VR and AR. And that, that's a part of the improvements in the sports industry from the technology side. And then the engineering side, I think is one of the, the areas that kind of gets slept on, you know, especially when it comes to steam and you know, the E in steam is engineering. You know, we have a very, you know, fast growing career path to sustainability you know, being able to understand the, the, the way buildings work and the way energy is conserved and just the engineering side for sustainability is a, is a viable career path that I know a lot of people who are doing well in Doha with sustainability mm -hmm. and, and engineering backgrounds. Right. I'm talking about making very good livings. And so, right, and they use you know, a lot of solar energy over there because of right. the region that they're in. People don't realize that they can do more with the... You know, the fact that they're closer to the equator and it's always sunny and warm there. 
Oh my God. I'm telling you, it's like, um, I think Doha is one of the hottest places on this earth. I think, yeah. you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's on the water too. And it's just um, yeah, unbelievably but... <laughs> hot, you know? So, I mean, you're right with a background of sustainability and, you know, re recycling and understanding the, the business of conserving and energy conservation, there is a ton, there's always opportunities over there for people with those engineering backgrounds. And so, you know, just thinking outside of what you see on television, outside of the, the league and team jobs, you know, sport offers everything from entertainment to spectator sport to participation sport to, you know, just being able to provide opportunities for you to make a living. And then moving on to the A and STEAM to the arts, you know, people with backgrounds in, in liberal arts, especially in psychology and sociology, have found many different careers within sport and consumer behavior and fan engagement, you know, all the marketing positions. They want people with, with liberal arts backgrounds. They want people with backgrounds in, you know, English literature and, you know, history and sociology, psychology, anthropology, because those type of people know how to think. They know how to communicate. And they'll bring you in and teach you their side of the business and see how you can engage with their consumers. But they want those backgrounds that make sense and liberal arts backgrounds work. And then of course, the last one with the M in, in STEAM, we come down to math. And you know, I think math right now is the, the hot button you know, topic, especially when it comes to analytics. You know, if you are able to understand right, math and right. you're good with numbers, you know, crunching data, being able to work in analytics, you will find a job. Yeah, data is everywhere. Industry. Yeah, data is, people don't realize right. how important that data is. Yeah, so your question about STEAM, I think that embodies what the sports industry is. That kind of gives a, a 30,000 foot view on the opportunities that are available. And the bottom line is those jobs in, the, in those STEAM professions are still hiring. I mean, we're hearing about all these, these layoffs. They're not laying off the people in the STEAM positions because those positions are, you know, essential. Right. So, yeah. I, I, I definitely agree with you. Um, when, when we start talking to young people in high school and middle school about STEAM, they're like, ah, I just want to be an agent or yeah, I just no. want to be a player. And when we bring individuals in to actively talk to these students about these various careers, we just put on like an NHL game. And as you see that puck moving around and you're actually able to see that blue puck moving and your eyes can track it. We stop it there and we say, how do you think that, how do you think that happens? Right. And I'm like, well, right. somebody just is just pointing a, a light on it. And I'm like, no, that's not a light. That's technology. That's technology. That's data analytics being done in every single ice rink. The same thing with the, the, uh, the first down marker. You have to have people go in and actually map out the uh, from a geospatial standpoint every single football field to collect that data so therefore every single time that ball moves there's somebody there to articulate when it's first and 10 from the 30 to the 38 and whatever uh so yeah it's there's a lot of different careers that that we know are out there but it's really getting it to the masses so that young people can see it and understand hey this is a career that I can actively get into. Oh, okay. This is pretty cool. I, I see it. Um, so when you're, when you're talking to young people um, at NYU, are they actively coming in with the mindset, this is what they want to do career wise? Or are you, uh, are you finding that you're, and also at Georgetown, 
did you find it where they already knew kind of what it was or they're, they're open to a, a lot of things and then they use those global experiences that Georgetown, NYU, and Ohio State has provided uh, or is providing to help create their pathway? Yeah, I, I would say, um, you know, the one thing I do want to point across is that, you know, my, my career for the last, like, let's say six years has been predominantly graduate students. And so um, I, I would say graduate students, you know, they're coming in a bit older. So, so the average mm-hmm. age is probably 29 to 31. And so to a certain extent, they have a bit of skepticism. You know, they are looking for an opportunity. They're looking to network. They're, they're coming in you know, not as, as bright-eyed and, you know, just, um, just excited to be there. And so I think a lot of students I meet are purposeful. You know, they come in and they say, hey, I want to work for a team. I want to be an agent. You know, they have ideas of what they want to do. And, you know, what we do is we test drive it. You know, I, I love to mm-hmm. test drive different career paths. I get them in front of professionals who are doing what they think they want to do. And, you know, we usually have a, 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 a strong uh, come to Jesus moment, you know, we discuss it. We say, right. Hey, I mean, are you willing to put in this type of work? You know, if you want to be an agent, you know, and, and you keep telling me you don't want to do sales. Well, that's 90% of the job as right. an agent is sales. Exactly. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. You gotta be for it to be an agent. Not only do you have to go to sales, but you have to be going to law as well. Correct. 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 Yeah, a lot of times. Yeah. So you got to have the background, you got to have the credentials, you got to be certified. So I think the leagues have the certification processes, they have the exams you got to take. And so, you know, we get them to the information they need to make the decisions. And I say, you know, usually after having those informational interviews and we have our conversations about the realness of the position, you know, then we start talking about alternatives. You know, I, I call them the contingencies. You know, this is where I I pitch to them different opportunities that I'm seeing and out there that are available. And, you know, one of my favorite ones to push is, you know, international global work, because I think not enough, especially African-American students, are even aware of the opportunities with the U.S. State Department and all the exchange programs and, you know, even opportunities with the State Department. You know, people think it's a government job, but there's a... Yeah, there's fantastic relationships with the State Department that allow you to work in sport for an entity called Sports United. And, you know, we had a a faculty member at at, uh, Georgetown that that worked for Sports United. He was fantastic, and he was a a great resource for us to be able to give students an opening into understanding what diplomacy and, you know, international work and how it goes hand-in-hand and all the exchange programs that he works with and just the opportunities to go overseas. And I would say, like, predominantly most of my relationships with overseas entities come via the U.S. State Department. And so even though I'm with a private school, I've been with private schools my entire career, I always reach out to the resources that are available whenever I go to a new country like Qatar, to um, Argentina, to Spain, to, to India. You know, that's my first step to make sure that I, I hit the ground running. All right. Now, would you now you you talked about doing international travel for the older students? Uh, would you also recommend that same type of travel experience for a K through twelve student? 
Oh, 100 percent. I, I mean, I, I was fortunate. As I mentioned, I went to that specialized high school and then my, my family we were, we were Jamaican. And so my, my parents were Jamaican immigrants. And so I was constantly traveling overseas as, as a kid. So I spent time in, you know, visiting family in Jamaica, visiting family in the UK, you know, visiting Paris. I, I did a study abroad when I was in college at Miami, Ohio. I went to Spain for the summer and ended up staying there for the fall semester. So I ended up traveling to, to Rome, to Greece, to, you know, back to Paris and just having all these amazing experiences, just being out there, just, just doing it. And so, you know, that, that's kind of why it was a requirement that in my career path that I was going to have a global focus. So if the job wasn't offering an, an opportunity to work on international projects, I wasn't interested. And so, you know, Ohio State was my choice because Ohio State had international programs. It's an international they, they had, school. Yeah, it's, it's international school. They, they, they just believe in it. You know, so right. did Miami, Ohio. Miami, Ohio had a, a campus in Luxembourg. And so just, you know, that's why I was able to go over to, to Spain. And then I had a home base. If, if, I got, if I got bored or I got, you know, lost, I knew that, hey, get my butt to Luxembourg and I'll be fine. You know, that I support there. So I think, you know, just being able to, to understand where the resources are and as a student, being able to have these types of international experiences, you know, for me, the world was always a, a, a big place, but it wasn't like unfathomable. You know, I knew I could get there. And mm. I would hop on a flight and get there and I would figure it out. And, you know, I, I remember like, um, you know, back then you had to do like Western Union to get extra money. And, you know, I would, I would do that where I would reach out to my family for extra money when I was traveling. You know, if, if I like, you know, went over my budget. But the bottom line is you figure out a way to make it work. All right. So are there any oper any internships with companies that you would recommend we want to get kids exposed to their career opportunities in all sports and collegiate ranks. So do you think that there internships out are out there for students? Yeah, I'm going to tell you right now, um, you know, the, the, the best ones I've seen right now are, are coming out from the international soccer leagues that have offices in the U S okay. um, I'm pretty sure you guys know that FC Barcelona is probably one of the top three most valued right. franchises in the entire world. More so, yeah, messy, you know, all that stuff. So, you know, they, they have built, like, many relationships in New York City. They have an office in New York. Um, Bayern Munich out of the Bundesliga in Germany. They also have an office in New York. They're offering opportunities for internships to work in their offices because they want to be able to understand the U.S. market, and they, they, they use the interns as ways to get the data. And so they'll bring on interns to give them the experience of working with a, a top-line um, you know, international organization, you'll get the experience, you can build your network, and then, of course, they get the information from you, and so it's a kind of a reciprocal opportunity. And so I would say, um, you know, just targeting even La Liga. La Liga from Spain has offices in New York. And so, and, you know, it's not just New York. You know, there's, there's a lot of opportunities for internships in, in major cities, but they all have an international focus. And it's just being aware of who are the international partnerships that are happening in your city. Okay. So one last question I have for you uh, is going to be regarding STEAM sport careers. What companies or orgs outside of just, I know what you gave us for, from an internship standpoint, what companies would you say that, that come right to you, to the front of your brain that, Hey, this is the company you need to, to work with from a STEAM sport perspective um, and, or you're, you're coming out of college 
and you want to get your foot in the door, uh, you might not be into international sports or travel, or you're, you're having issues right now because of COVID and you can't really get away or whatever the case may be. What would be the, the next kind of iteration of STEAM sport careers that are viable for young people to look into career-wise? You know, you know, what's, what's funny is that, um, you know, traditionally I, I would never think this company would, because I mean, this company is pretty popular, but I, I wouldn't put them on this list. But I mean, during COVID, they're, they're hiring. They're hiring for all types of positions, and that would be Nike and Jordan brand. You know, they are, I have some friends from, from college who are, you know, hiring managers, and they're constantly posting jobs. And wow. at first I wow. thought like, Hey, let me reach out and make sure this is legit. And I'm asking, they're like, yes, like we're still hiring. Like, you know, I think that the planning, you know, and the fact that Nike is, is a global company that can go virtual, I think, um, mm-hmm. you know, just being able to have the breadth and, and the depth of what they can do, you know, there are opportunities, you know, you know, the, the easiest one would be to go with Amazon because Amazon's opening up all those new offices, you know, and, and the new HQ. And so I think there's opportunities there as well, but I think, you know, right now with the fantastic opportunities, especially at the um, at, at both the senior and junior levels, I think Nike right now and, and Jordan Brand they are they are really pushing the envelope. And I mean that, that that goes to show you that even with you know with when times are going bad, they, they're still figuring out ways to do pivots and right. a lot of different opportunities for, for for liberal arts majors to come in to do consumer engagement. There's been opportunities, of course, for data analytics, and of course, there's opportunities in AR and VR. And um, you know, they they got some pretty cool programs that they work with when it comes to to product line development, you know, sneaker design, et cetera. So I think you know, creativity, especially if you're into the arts, you know, don't mm-hmm. sell yourself short. I think there's opportunities at Nike, and you know, I, I can provide you guys with links that I have available as well. We'll definitely follow up with you on that one. Um, so. Outside of steam sports right now, we have, we're, we're going to, we want to delve into the mind of Dr. Kelly uh, from just a, a fan. So we have a Super Bowl coming up in two weeks. Who are you picking? We're going to, we, we want to know from you, who are you picking to win Super Bowl 55? All right. So um, first and foremost, I want to give a uh, you know all, all respect to to Tom Brady. I do think he is he is the goat, especially when it comes to quarterbacks. But I think during that game, we're, we're going to see a passing of the torch to to Pat Mahomes. Uh, I think it's it's Pat Mahomes' time. I think um, Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs are going to take it. And from a, from a, so so let's let's get into that. So basketball player. I don't think Kanye agrees. No, I agree. I perfectly agree, but I always like to talk to basketball players about football because New York is not really known for football players, but a lot of basketball players that really should have played football. What, what, you know, how, what did you play when you was in college? I played basketball. Oh, it was like what position? Oh, I was like a. I'm I'm six four, so I, I played like a like a small forward. And I was too oh, so you've been yeah. you've been Travis Kelsey. Then. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> no, okay, but uh, okay. I, I, I do, I do, I do want to reiterate. I, I just think you know, you know, if it wasn't, if he wasn't, if he wasn't going against, you know, Pat Mahomes, I think if he's going against the Bills, I think Tom Brady could take it. But I don't, I don't care if they're playing in Tampa, 
you know, New York or Africa, Pat Mahomes is going to take it. Yeah, it's, so. you talking so cheetah. I, I, cheetah is too deviate. fast, man. I, I'm going to deviate from that, that, that train of thought. And I'm going to say due to two injuries, uh, one, oh, he's dealing tackle. with a partial turf toe. That's not And good. then left tackle. the left tackle being gone. Oh, that's terrible. I think that Pierre Paul is going to wreak havoc. They're gonna they're gonna run old school Giants defense and just. I think that there's the defense and Devin White and Pierre Paul and then you get Antoine Winfield back, Junior back. I think that the defense becomes stout. You got the ghosts of well, not really a ghost because Derek Brooks has not passed away, but you got the legends running through there. You got <laughs> Warren Sapp in the building. I think that you know Tony Dungy comes out and and gives some some pep talk without cursing. With the, the cannons, the cannons are going <laughs> off in the cannons in the, are going, <laughs> and Tom Brady goes for a game winning touchdown or gets them in position for a field goal. Win we, it, we we know why you we know why you're caping for retires. Tom Brady, right? You know why then you're caping for Tom Brady. As the very best. That's what I'm going off on. You, I, you heard it here first. That's what's going to end up happening. You, that's, you that's know, we all know why you are such <laughs> in love with Tom Brady. It's only because of one reason, right? I know he went to Michigan. That's the only reason why, man. man. It's, it's, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you guys this. You know. I would believe that they could run that that old school Giants, you know, defense on on yes on, on KC. Except yes. for Pierre Paul is like he's good, but he's not the Pierre Paul of like five six years ago. Oh, he's yeah. still good this is, though. This is true. Yeah. This is true. Yeah, yeah you're Giants. So are you Giants or are you oh, Jets? Hundred percent Giants. Okay, are you Knicks or Brooklyn? Knicks. Even uh, yeah. Knicks. Mets. Even with even with KD and everybody else in there. Even with it, you still got to stay true to who I am. Man. And yeah. then you're okay. Nets or right. Yankees? Yeah, the Yankees. Yeah. All right. Well, Dr. Kelly, how can people connect with you? Yeah, so, so definitely uh, please connect with me at, uh, at NYU. So you can reach me at dgk2 at nyu.edu. Uh, once again, that's dgk2 at nyu.edu. Uh, if you, you want to meet up for virtual coffee, informational interviews, I'm always here to serve. Yeah, but I think I, I connected with you on LinkedIn as well. Perfect. All right. I'm connected with you, sir. I appreciate, we appreciate. We got live, one last time. question, Garrett. Uh, who? who one, one question? Yeah, who, Dr. Uh, Kelly, who should we interview next? Uh, oh, 100%. I do have a recommendation. Um, one okay. of my favorite colleagues of all time, her name is Dr. Erin Tucker. She is the uh, faculty director at Georgetown, the Global Hospitality Leadership Program. I think, you know, she, she's, one, she's on the rise. You know, one day she's going to be a university president, and, you know, she's also an NAK, and I think she'll be able to provide perspective on STEAM and, and many different opportunities for you guys. And so I, I would highly recommend, you know, Dr. Aaron Tucker from Georgetown University. We will definitely make that a part of our list. We will definitely add Dr. Tucker to our list. Um, I definitely want to say thank you so very much uh, again for taking time out of your day uh, with us, for us, with Athletes Without Borders. We appreciate you. Um, 
All right, we are AWB. Let's go. No limits, no borders. <laughs> that is our podcast. We thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, tune in next time, and we'll have some more engaging and interesting conversation. Uh, I'm your host, Mr. Garrett Osuma, and my co-host, Mr. Kanye Gardner, and our special guest, Dr. Daniel Kelly. Thank you guys so much. Thank you.